Act Two of Britannicus by Jean Racine, translated by Robert Bruce Boswell, eighteen sixty four to nineteen thirty three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Scene One Nero, Burrus, Narcissus, Guards. Burrus, be sure of this. Though she's unjust, she is my mother, and I'll take no notice of her caprices. But I will not spare the underling who dares to foster them. Pallas instills his poison in her ears, and every day corrupts Britannicus. His voice alone they hear, and if we followed their steps with Pallas, we perhaps should find them. I've borne too much. He must be parted from them. For the last time I say it, let him go. Tis my command... And ere this day is done, my court and Rome, too, must be quit of them. Dispatch the safety of the states concerned. Come here, Narcissus. To the guards. Let my guards retire. Scene 2. Nero, Narcissus. Thank heaven, my lord, Junia is in your hands, and so today the peace of Rome's secured. Your enemies, cast down from their vain hopes, have gone to Pallas to bewail their weakness. But what is this? I see you vexed, confounded, and more dismayed than is Britannicus. What does that frowning air of gloom portend? Those random looks that roam uneasily? All smiles on you, and fortune crowns your wishes. The die is cast, Narcissus. Nero loves. You, sire? A moment since, and yet forever. Love. Said I love? Nay, Junia is my idol. What? You love her? My curiosity moved me this night to see her on arrival here. She was sad, and raised to heaven her eyes tear-stained, that shone amid the flash of arms. In beauty unadorned and simple garb, as when they seized her in her sleep. I know not whether that disarray the torchlit darkness the cries that broke the silence and the faces of her ferocious ravishers enhanced the timid sweetness of those lovely eyes but with so fair a spectacle entranced i tried to speak but felt myself tongue-tied amazement seized me and i could not move and suffered her to pass to her apartments i sought my chamber there in solitude Vainly I tried to turn my thoughts from her. But, ever present to my eyes, I seemed to talk with her. I loved the very tears I caused to flow. And sometimes, but too late, I sued for her forgiveness, and my sighs ended in threats. Thus nursing my new passion, I have not closed mine eyes that watched for daylight. But I may conjure up too fair an image of her whom I beheld at such advantage. What say, Narcissus? Who'd believe, my lord, that she has lived so long by you unseen? You know it well, Narcissus. Moved by wrath that held me guilty of her brother's death, or treasuring with jealous care a pride severe that grudged mine eyes her dawning charms, true to her grief and courting dim seclusion. She stole away and shunned all admiration. 
And tis this virtue to the court, so new that in its perseverance piques my love. Is there another damsel here in Rome who, if I loved her, would not grow more vain at such an honor? Is there one but tries her amorous glances upon Caesar's heart, soon as she learns their power? She alone, the modest Junia, scorns the boon they covet. Nor deigns it may be e'en to seek to learn if Caesar merits love, or knows its rapture. Tell me, is young Britannicus her lover? Her lover asks my liege? He is too young to know himself, or love's enchanting poison. Love never waits for reason, good my lord. Doubt not he loves. Taught by such potent charms, his eyes have learned to melt with tenderness. He knows how best to meet her slightest wish, and, it may be, already can persuade her. What? Can the boy have won her heart's allegiance? I know not, sire. But what I can, I'll tell you. I've seen him sometimes tear himself away, full of a wrath which he conceals from you, vexed at the court's ingratitude that shuns him, chafing against your power and his subjection. Fear and impatience swaying him in turn, he goes to Junia and returns contented. The more unhappy he for learning how to please her. He should rather wish her anger. Nero will not be jealous without vengeance. You, sir? And why should you be ill at ease? Junia has pitied him and shared his sorrows. Sure, she has seen no other tears than his, but now, my lord, that, with her eyes unsealed, she shall behold so near your royal splendour, and kings uncrowned stand in attendance round you. Unknown amidst the crowd, her lover too, hangs on your eyes, and honoured by a look, which you, my prince, may chance to cast upon them. When she shall see you, from that height of glory, come to confess her victory with sighs, the master of a heart already charmed, you'll have but to command, and she will love you. How much chagrin must I prepare to meet? What wearisome entreaties! Why, who hinders my lord's good pleasure? All. Octavia, Burrus, Seneca, Agrippina, Rome herself. Three years all stainless. Not that for Octavia remains one tender relic of the tie that bound us. Long since weary of her love, rarely mine eyes deign to behold her tears. Happy if soon the favor of divorce relieve me of a yoke imposed by force. The gods themselves have secretly condemned her. Four years her earnest prayers have fruitless proved. They show not that her virtue touches them by honoring her couch with any pledge, and vainly does the state demand an heir. Why hesitate, my lord, to cast her off? Your scepter and your heart alike condemn her. Did not Augustus, when he sighed for Livia, by twin divorce unite her to himself? And to that lucky severance you owe the crown. Tiberius, whom his marriage linked with him and you, dared to repudiate the daughter e'en before the father's eyes. 
you only thwarting your own wish refuse a course so welcome know you not the rage of agrippina her i seem to see bringing me to octavia and with eye of fury bidding me respect a bond so sacred tied by her and charging me in no soft terms with long ingratitude how shall i face her violent attacks be your own master sire and hers as well will you submit to tutelage for ever reign for yourself too long you've reigned for her fear you to do so nay you fear her not have you not just now banished haughty pallas whose insolence you know that she supports out of her sight i threaten or command list to your counsels venture to approve them my temper rises and i think to brave her but i will lay my feelings bare before you soon as ill luck into her presence brings me either i dare not then disown the spell of eyes where i have read my duty long or the remembrance of past kindness grants to her control of all that she has given and all my efforts are of no avail my spirit trembles overawed by hers and tis to free myself from her dependence i everywhere avoid and so offend her nor spare from time to time to rouse her anger that she may shun me as i fly from her but i too long detain you go narcissus lest britannicus you seem intriguer no no i have his perfect confidence he thinks i see you sire by his command to hear from you all that concerns himself and by my mouth would learn your secret plans impatient to behold his love once more he waits the aid my trusty cares may bring him thereto i give consent yes he shall see her convey the pleasing news banish him from her i have my reasons trust me good narcissus he shall not see her without paying dearly but boast to him of your successful scheme tell him that i have been deceived myself and that he sees her without my permission she comes go find your master bring him here scene three nero junia your cheek is pale and you seem anxious lady read you some gloomy presage in my eyes i cannot hide from you sire my mistake i thought to see not caesar but octavia i know it madam and octavia's fortune in gaining your good graces makes me envious you sire and think you that octavia only within these walls has eyes to see your merits whom else can i implore to pity me and tell what crime i've unawares committed you punish it my lord and needs must know it let junia learn her fault i do beseech you is it a light offence then to have kept so long your beauty in concealment madam has bounteous heaven its choicest gifts bestowed that you should bury what was meant to shine is not britannicus afraid to hide his growing passion and your charms from us why till to-day have you so ruthlessly made us an exile in our court from eyes so bright tis said too madam you permit without offence his amorous overtures i'll not believe that you have favoured them without consulting us 
nor been so heedless of due decorum as to plight your troth and leave us to the voice of common rumour for information. I confess, my lord, his sighs have sometimes told his heart's desires. With eyes forever fixed upon a maid, a sole relic of a famous family, he thinks perhaps of how in happier days his father destined her to be his bride. He loves me, heeding his imperial sire, your mother's wish, and, may I add, your own? Your will is ever so conformed to hers? My mother has her views, and I have mine. We'll speak no more of her and Claudius. Tis not their choice that can determine mine. I, and I only, must decide for you. And at my hands I'll have you choose a husband. My lord, bethink you that another union would bring dishonor on my ancestors. Lady, not so. The spouse of whom I speak need feel no shame to range his parentage with yours. You may consent without a blush to his addresses. Who then is he, sire? Madam, myself. You? I would name another, if other name I knew higher than Nero's. My eyes have searched the court, Rome, and the world, to choose you such a partner as might meet your approbation. And the more I seek into what hands this treasure may be trusted, the more I see Caesar alone deserves to hold it. He alone deserves your love, and should entrust you to no hands but those to which the empire of the world's committed. Do you yourself recall your earliest years when Claudius betrothed you to his son? "'Twas at a time when he intended naming that son one day the heir of all his empire. "'The gods declared to me, "'Oppose them not, but follow where they point to sovereignty. "'Vainly have they bestowed this signal honor, "'unless your heart should be united with it. "'If cares so great be soothed not by your smiles, "'if while I give to vigilant alarms "'those days by others envied, grudged by me.' I may not breathe some moments at your feet. Let not Octavia's image cloud your eyes. Rome, like myself, to you her suffrage gives, rejects Octavia, and would have me loose a marriage tie that heaven itself disowns. Consider what I say and ponder well. This choice, well worthy of a prince who loves you, worthy of those bright eyes too long immured, and of the world to which your charms are due, my lord, good cause have I to stand astonished. All in the course of one short day I see myself brought hither as a criminal. And when I, trembling, come before your eyes, hardly confiding in my innocence, at once you offer me Octavia's place. Yet am I bold to say I have deserved neither this dazzling honour nor this insult. And can you wish, my liege, that a poor maid, who almost soon as she was born, beheld her home destroyed, and an obscurity nursing her sorrow, learned to be resigned, should at a single step pass from such darkness to sit where all the world may gaze upon her, in brilliance that she shrank from, seen afar, usurping majesty that is another's? 
Have I not already said I renounce her? Dispel those timid fears or bashful scruples. Think not my present choice is blind and rash. I know you worthy. Only give consent. Remember from what ancestry you spring. Do not prefer to those substantial honors wherewith the hands of Caesar would endure you. The glory of refusal to be followed by vain regrets. Heaven knows my secret thoughts. I take no pride in a vainglorious boast, and know the greatness of the prize you offer. But all the more should I, the brighter shown my fortune, be ashamed to face the guilt of having plundered her, whose right it is. Nay, you consult her interests too much. The claim of friendship scarce can reach so far. But let us leave delusions and be plain. The sister moves you less than does the brother. And for Britannicus, I... He has known how to touch my heart, and freely I confess it. Such frankness may, perchance, be indiscreet, but never have my lips belied my heart. In absence from the court I could not think that I had need to learn the art of feigning. I love Britannicus, his destined bride, when marriage was to lead to sovereignty. But that ill fate which has denied the throne, his honours fled, his palace desolate, the courtiers whom his fall has banished from him, serve but as ties to Junius' constancy. Here all things minister to your desires. Your days flow calmly by in ceaseless pleasures, the exhaustless source thereof your sovereign power, or if some trouble mar their placid course, the universe, solicitous to please you, hastens to blot it from your memory. Lonely the lot of poor Britannicus, in all his sorrows he has me alone to sympathize, my tears his only solace that lead him sometimes to forget his woes. Ah, tis that solace and those tears I envy, for them another with his life should pay. But milder treatment keep I for this prince. He shall appear before you soon, fair lady. Your virtues, sire, have ever reassured me. I might forbid him access to your presence, but I would fain anticipate the danger to which resentful wrath might carry him. I do not wish his death. Better that he should hear his sentence from the lips he loves. Is his life dear to you? Then part him from you, without cause given to believe me jealous. Incur the odium of his banishment, and whether by your words or by your silence, in any case by frigid looks persuade him to take his wishes and his hopes elsewhere. I? To pronounce a sentence so severe? My tongue will swear I meant the contrary. E'en could I so prove traitor to myself, my eyes would still forbid him to obey me. Curtain close by, I shall behold you, madam. Shut up your love within your inmost heart. No secret language shall escape my notice. Looks that you fancy mute, I shall o'erhear. And death to him shall be the sure reward if sigh or gesture unawares betrays you. Alas, if I dare still form any wish, grant me, my lord, that I may never see him. Scene 4. Nero, Junia, Narcissus. 
Britannicus, my lord, asks for the princess. He is at hand. Then let him enter. Sire! I leave you, and his fate on you depends more than on me. Remember, I shall see you. Scene 5. Junia Narcissus. <gasps> Dear Narcissus, run to meet your master. Tell him. Oh, I'm undone. I see him coming. Scene 6. Britannicus, Junia, Narcissus. What happiness, dear damsel, brings me near you? May I then taste so sweet an interview? But, ah, uh, amidst this pleasure, grief devours me, to think I may not hope to see you more. Now must I steal, with many a subterfuge, a privilege that erst you granted daily. Ah, what a night I've passed, with what awakening! Your tears have not disarmed our cruel foes. What was your lover doing? Did some god grudge me the boon of dying at your feet? Alas, have you in secret, struck with terror, made your complaint to me? Have you, my princess, vouchsafed to breathe a wish that I were with you? Thought you upon the woes that you would cost me? What? Say you not? Looking as cold as ice? Is't thus you comfort me for my disgrace? Speak. We're alone. Our enemy, deceived, is busied somewhere else while we're together. Take full advantage of his happy absence. His power pervades each corner of this palace. Its very walls, sir, may have eyes to see us. Caesar is never absent from this place. And how long have you been so timorous? What, does your love consent to be in bondage already? What has changed the heart that swore to make e'en Nero envious of our love? But banish, madam, such uncalled-for fear. All hearts have not yet lost their loyalty. I see no eye but doth approve my anger. We have the emperor's mother on our side, and Rome herself, offended at his conduct. Surely your tongue, sir, contradicts your thought. You have yourself told me a thousand times that with one common voice Rome praises him. You ever rendered homage to his merits. Tis grief distracts you and dictates this language. Your words surprise me. I must needs confess it. To hear you praise him was not what I sought. Scarce can I seize a favorable moment to make you share the grief that overwhelms me, and these few precious moments are consumed in praises of the foe who crushes us. How different from yourself has one day made you! Why, e'en your looks have learned strange reticence. What's this? You seem to fear to meet my eyes. Am I then odious? Can it be that Nero finds favor? If I thought so, ah, by heaven, dispel this darkness you have cast around me. Speak, is Britannicus no more remembered? Pray, sir, withdraw. The emperor is coming. This stroke, Narcissus, severs my last hope. Scene 7. Nero, Junia, Narcissus. Madam. No, sire. I cannot hear a word. I have obeyed you. 
let at least my tears flow freely, now that he no more can see them. Scene 8. Nero, Narcissus. Well, my Narcissus, you have seen the ardor with which they love, apparent e'en in silence. My rival has her heart, tis plain enough. My joy shall be to drive him to despair. How charmingly does fancy paint his anguish. And I have seen him doubt whether she loves him. I'll follow her. My rival waits your presence to vent his fury. Go with fresh suspicions, torment him. And while I witness the tears she fondly sheds for him, make him pay dearly for boon that he despises. Narcissus alone. Once more fortune invites me. Shall I then refuse her offer? Nay, to the end I'll follow her behests, and doom the wretched to secure my weal. End of Act Two